My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, does anybody know what week number we are in in Philippians today? 4,300, no, 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 week 50 today, week 50 today, so I don't know if that's special or not, but it seems kind of cool, so uh, happy week 50 to us today, uh, and the, uh, the, the runway is clearly in sight, and I have, the flag guys are flagging me down at this point, so we are about to land this plane, uh, and I am excited. So if you've got your uh, Bibles in Philippians chapter 4, uh, we'll pick up about two-thirds of the way into verse 18 today, but let me read chapter 4 for us. I'll start with verse 2 and read through the end of the chapter, and uh, then we'll come back. And, and I will tell you, like, if you like applications and personalizations today, today is your day. So there you go. Julie's like waving me off. Okay, here we go. Philippians chapter 4. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still... You did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. So we are on page, uh, what page today? 129, I think, today, uh, where we'll pick up. 
Uh, we had just finished talking last week about this uh, acceptable offering, this fragrant offering. Uh, verse 18, I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering. So somebody, somebody give me a quick recap of what last week's fragrant offering was about. Did we stay in Philippians chapter 4? No. Where did we go back to? You remember? Remember the first time we talked? The Old Testament, yes. We went back to the Old Testament. Back to all the way back to Genesis. Right? And I shared with you my terror as a child, hearing about the first thing Noah does when Noah gets off the boat is he starts killing animals. And you're like, this seems like a bad idea, man. <laughs> like you, you, What are we doing here? And he offers up a burnt offering, and it's a fragrant offering, and it is acceptable to the Lord. And we talked through this idea that, that God's uh, long-suffering is described as his big-nosedness, like this is where God's anger is held in his nostrils. And I, I don't think it's accidental that the satiation, the assuagement, the pleasingness of God's anger is also dealt with and resolved, um, you know, if you think about this anthropomorphically, uh, in his nose, right? So he relates to us in a way that we can understand and then resolves that resolution to us in a way that we can understand. And I don't know that you, have you ever had an experience where, like, it, it was just a bad day? You're just having a bad day, and all of, a all of a sudden, a smell, okay, this is better. Like, this is better. Uh, my classic story on this is uh, the, the last time I was at work and didn't, like physically at an office building, and didn't go home when my boss told me to go home because snow was coming. Right? And at that time, I had a 77 Ford F100 with a 351 Windsor, and I miss it daily. <laughs> it was black, much like my shirt. And it was amazing. And I'm still sad about this. And I'm not bitter at all in any way, shape, or form. But I somehow thought that this 351, like this 77 Ford F100, with nothing in the bed would be an adequate vehicle to take me home through the Hickson uh, Pike S-curves uh, that were then covered with basically ice. And I got out of downtown, and I, I've, I'm coming out on Hickson Pike, and I get to the point where you can see off in the distance the, the rise in the land where you kind of kind of crest the hill, and then you get to the Chattanooga campus, but it's really before the actual S-curves. And it's just... Like, it's, the road's just white. And I'm thinking, I don't, like, I don't think this is a good plan. Happy birthday, young man. Um, and I'm thinking, this is not a good plan. Like, this is not a good strategy. So what's the road on the left there? It goes really steep up. Um, what, before you get to the, is it Altamont? I think it might be Altamont. And I decide that it's going to be a good idea. Well, let's just gun it up Altamont and see how I can do. 
And I got maybe 50, 60 yards. And it, this was not wise decision. Made. Josh is like, this looks suspect. It was, the whole day was suspect. All right? I get like 50 yards up Altamont. It's a mess. And then I start to spin out. And I slid backward all the way back out onto Hickson Pike, did a full 360 on Hickson Pike, and landed with my, with my tires to the curb facing the wrong way on Hickson Pike. Never hit anybody, which is just, you know, God is gracious to idiots. I'll just put it in that category, right? <laughs> so, like, now I'm at a place where, like, this is where we lived, we lived on Comet Trail, so I'm a couple of miles from home in dress shoes, right, in dress pants, not dressed for this weather in any way, shape, or form. Like, well, maybe some stranger will have mercy on me, and I'll just, maybe I can walk from here to home, perhaps. So I, I bowed my head, and I prayed, and I said amen, and I looked up, and I see somebody in a, uh, it's like a toboggan that's pulled down over their face, and a big coat, and, and it's just lumbering directly toward me. And I was like, not what I prayed for. Let's do that again. <laughs> and uh, he gets, th- this figure gets closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden he kind of looks at me and goes, pulls off his toboggan, well, Jim Fleming, how are you doing? And it's Brent Bass. <laughs> I prayed to the Lord, and he sent me Brent Bass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brent, well, I'm cold, how are you? Well, I'm cold too, and, but he didn't live nearly as far as I did because he lived in the enclave, which was super close, and I'm like, Brent's house is big, and I bet it's warm, and I bet I can hang out there until we figure out what's going on. So Brent and I... Uh, started walking up the hill there, and this lady that I, I, we never got her name. I don't know who she is. I don't know what in the world she was thinking, picking up two grown men in the back of her uh, minivan, but she did. There were no seats in the back of this minivan. I got immediately, I didn't tell you this part. Um, I got a little worried when the door opened. I was like, hmm. I think we're stronger than she is, but she looks like she might be going to murder us in this vehicle. I'm not sure. So we get in. She tops the hill. She lets Brent off at his neighborhood. She said, yeah, I'm going right past yours. Our great drives me right up to ours. uh, Or did Brent take me home? I don't know. I got home, right? I'm cold. It's been a long day. All this crazy stuff. And we open the door, and Julie has made, what had you made? Taco soup. I love me some taco soup. And in that house, that little 1,400-square-foot house, when Julie made something, every part of that house smelled like whatever we had just made. So she opens that door, and the heat and the smell and everything hit me, and it was just, I'm good now. So when I think about pleasing smell, that's where my head and my experience and my brain and my mind goes. And that is nothing compared to the reality of what our Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice actually does for our Father, for his wrath against sin and sinners. So, in verse 18, what we find is this fragrant offering, an acceptable offering, a pleasing offering. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So, here's a couple applications from verse 18. Giving is 
fragrant, acceptable, and pleasing to God. Because in the context of Philippians 4.18, the gift here, while referencing and doing a hat tip to our Lord Jesus Christ, is actually the gifts that the Philippian church gave to Epaphroditus to bring to Paul. So giving is a fragrant, accept, giving is fragrant, acceptable, and pleasing to God. Giving is fragrant, acceptable, and pleasing to God. And then number two, giving reflects our Lord Jesus Christ's gift and sacrifice. When we give, there's a, there's a reflection there, which is beautiful. Giving reflects our Lord Jesus Christ's gift and sacrifice. So what do you think we should do with that? Give. Yes, we should give. This is good. I love the definition of the word pleasing here in Strong's Concordance. It's to be fully agreeable. Like how often do we get that in our experience? Where we have, we have some interaction, some engagement, and the whole thing is fully agreeable. You're like, yeah, I think that's a high bar. <laughs> I think that's a really high bar. I don't think I experienced that a ton. But fully agreeable. It's a beautiful thing. Giving is a beautiful thing. And then we get to verse 19, and what does it start with? And, but wait, there's more. Because it's not just fragrant and acceptable and pleasing to God. God is going to do something as well. So Paul gets really personal here because at the top of page 130, he says, my God. This is a personal pronoun, a singular personal pronoun. My God. And then, and then he gets bold. So he goes from being personal to really bold. Will supply a fully... Uh, to fully or completely fill. This is a future indicative. He is making a confident statement about the future. And my God will supply all your needs. Now, the cool thing about this word supply is that it is also, this is verse 19 here, this God will supply all your needs. That word supply is the exact same word for supply back in verse 18. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Who fully supplied Paul? The Philippians, right? The Philippians fully supplied Paul, and Paul is saying, God is going to fully supply you. Which I think is really, really beautiful. So this tells me that our God, this is my application at the bottom of page 130, is that our God is a giver. I think we, we should rightly make much of our God's gift of our Lord Jesus Christ to us. And we should rightly make much of all of the other gifts that he gives us. I think sometimes we tend to only exclusively talk about God as a giver in as much as he has given himself. But he also provides for us as well in very real needs. And my God will supply all your needs. In, in effect, my God will do for you what you did for me. But even more, right? 
And this is not an individual need. All your is plural. All your needs. And this, this word for need uh, actually is a, it's a pretty broad word other places in the New Testament. But in Philippians, the top of page 131, it's actually pretty narrow. So I want to look at these references real quick. So Philippians 2.25. But I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Why did Paul have a need in Philippians 2.25? He was in jail. Why was he in jail? Preaching the gospel. This, is, this need is a direct outcome of gospel ministry work. All right? So that's the context of the first usage of this word in Philippians. All right? Let's look at 4.16. That's the next time it shows up. So for even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. You remember when he was traveling? So this is before he gets out of the region of Thessalonica, right? He's still, what is he doing in Thessalonica while he is traveling? Preaching the gospel. So again, this need is a direct result of gospel ministry. So Paul has grounded this word, both times he's used it so far in Philippians, as distinctly related to gospel ministry work. And then he says, Paul tells the Philippians, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And a lot of people want to look at this verse and go, I get a Bentley, that's cool. Whoa! Like, where, where did we go from, I get whatever, like what this text says in its context, which is firmly rooted in gospel ministry, to... I get whatever I want. Like those are no. We'll just say no. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here, right? So I want to make sure that we understand that this is this is rooted very clearly in something. So one of my applications at the bottom of page one thirty-one is God meets the gospel need. God meets the gospel need. And I like that little phrase because there's like nine different ways to look at that. Oh, did I tell you what to do with God as a giver on page 130? I didn't, did I? What do you think we should do with God as a giver? Rejoice and give. Yes, that's exactly right. Rejoice. Good gracious. What an example. So God meets the gospel needs, so I think we should rejoice. Um, so, let's talk about ability. Okay, we'll talk about ability real quick. So, this is everything in my wallet right now. All right, so I carry, mm, that's probably not wise, uh, a little bit, my grandfather would say a little bit of walking around money. Okay? So, should something come up and, like, only cash be required, mm, I mean, we're not buying a car, but we it's enough to bribe somebody and get something done, okay? So, like, that's where I'm at. Um, that's kind of my mental model is, like, is this enough to convince somebody that I don't know to do something that they don't really want to do? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, I've got my insurance card here, which is only good for me and my family. My driver's license, that won't get you anywhere. Uh, my AAA card, right? So if I'm broke, you want me in the car. If we're broken down, you want me in the car because I can get us where we need to be. Um, I've got, oh, my legal shield card. So if I get arrested, I know a phone number to call that somebody can help. 
uh, my Delta dental card, which I don't know that I have ever used, but they told me I should carry it. What the heck is this? Oh, this opens the door at the, this campus, right? Because <laughs> of, of course it wouldn't have any writing on it whatsoever. Why would it be helpfully uh, articulated? And then there are two other cards in here. One is my, I won't, I don't, like, UFB, like big savings account, TVFCU, little checking account. Um, that'll get me out of big trouble. But both of those have limits on them, right? Every card that every one of you have in your pocket has a limit on it. Not one of you has a card that says it'll cover anything. You walk up to the BMW dealership, I'll take them all and put it on this card. There's no such card, right? So my ability to give is rooted in my assets that I have available. Does that make sense? Right? God roots his ability to give, but Paul roots God's ability to give according to his riches in glory. Now, this is explicitly not referring to when you hear God is rich, God is wealthy, what is the one example you always hear? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Is that what this is talking about? No, distinctly, definitively not. We're not talking about the cattle on a thousand hills. Like that, that is, like you measured wealth in the Old Testament by how many cattle you had. Like this was a, just, you go through and you, just, you Google uh, cattle, in the Old Testament, you'll see so-and-so had 10,000 head, and so-and-so had 12,000 head, and so-and-so had, and you're like, that's a lot of cattle, guys, like a lot of cattle. And it's a lot of maintenance on a lot of cattle, and it's a lot of, a lot of stuff from a lot of, I mean, this is a lot of cattle. But this is according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So what riches do we have in Christ Jesus? Are there any riches in Christ Jesus? Oh, yeah. Does the Bible articulate any of them? Oh, yeah. And I, I'll tell you, they're better than cattle. Uh, I grew up on a 220-acre horse farm, and uh, I don't like goats. I'll, Lord willing, never own a goat. They're the nastiest creatures on the face of the earth. Uh, and I'm not really cool and keen on cattle either because they're just not bright. They will do spectacularly stupid things. Now, they're not as dumb as sheep. Like, sheep are the dumbest animal you can own. It is, they are idiots. But uh, cattle are about half a notch up from there. It, they're not very bright animals. Um, and this riches in glory in Christ Jesus is unbelievably beautiful. So, on page 131, before we talk about the verses that talk about Christ's riches, a couple more applications. So, uh, number two, application number two, God gives according to his ability. Sometimes in our churches you'll hear, you, we, we are commanded to give according to our ability. Well, God gives according to his ability too. There's <laughs> a lot of ability. <laughs> rejoice, rejoice, 
rejoice. His ability to give far outstrips all of our collective ability to give. It far outstrips all historical humankind's ability to give and all future humankind ability to give. It's unbelievable. And then don't miss here as well that I think application number three, God, like Paul, models what he expects. He models what, we expect, what he expects. Remember how we've seen this over and over and over in Paul's writing, that he'll do something, and then a chapter or two later, oh, by the way, you should do that. And he'll do something, he'll model it, and then he commands it. So God, like Paul, models what he expects, so rejoice. So where are these riches that we have in Christ Jesus? Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 first. These are verses hard to not get distracted on because they're just so beautiful. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the Beloved One. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him you were also seated with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Do we have riches in Christ or what? Oh, oh, that is beautiful. Just, just beautiful, beautiful language. And then Colossians, just, I'm just going to give you a little taste of what's coming. Colossians chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You ready? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, 
the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Guys, what more do we want? Like, the riches. And, and I just read the first chapter of a couple of Paul's letters, right? He, just, just, just do the whole thumb through the New Testament and pick a page. You'll see something of the riches of Christ on that page because it is all over the place. So this is what Paul tells the Philippians that God is going to give according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You're going to get Christ, which is what they need. In little Rome, do you know what you need? You need Christ. When opposition is around you, do you know what you need? You need Christ. When the day is hard, do you know what you need? You need Christ. When the day is easy, do you know what you need? You need Christ. And these things are true for us as well because my application at the bottom of page 132 is God's giving is rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. God's giving is rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that is good news. So let us rejoice. Because our Lord Jesus Christ isn't changing, so neither is God's giving. Daryl would say, that'll preach. <laughs> and I love what Paul does in verse 20. He does something with the truth of right proper theology of giving. It's not just, well, I have, this, I have this head knowledge of what's supposed to go on. No, 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 no. Now, to who's God? Our God, right? Because a page before, it was my God. Now it's our God. It's a little beautiful transition there. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. A right understanding of giving results in giving praise to God. Right? A right understanding of giving results in giving praise to God. It's not just an academic exercise. It is giving glory and praise to the Father for what the Son has done, what the Spirit is doing. Did I read all of verse 20? What did I leave off? Amen. 
You know where you put an amen? You put an amen at the end of a thought that needs a, yes, I agree, so be it. This is a true statement. Yes, I agree, so be it. I'm going off book here, so give me just a second. Oh, I found it. Good. Nehemiah is tricky to find. Y'all know how much I love uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, right? Like, it's probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. And there's a part that I focus on a lot, which is the people standing next to uh, Nehemiah on the stage. But I don't want you to miss what the people do at the end because it is a beautiful example and reminder to us. So Nehemiah chapter 8, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. And they asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given to Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. And while he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read it out, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and all those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah stood behind him on his right. To his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. This is the right response to the reading of Scripture. When you hear the Scripture be read, a right and good response is amen. So be it. That is true. If you've ever wondered, like, when, when should I say amen in a service? When they read the Scripture. It's a beautiful response. And we have a great example in the text of saying amen. So, Giving is not just a theoretical thing. It leads to the worship and the adoration of the Father through what the Son has done and the Spirit is doing. And with that, the personalization for me here is give and say amen. Give and say amen. I think I said the application a little differently than I have it in my notes. In my notes, I have the outcome of giving is giving, giving glory to God. That's being a little cute. but So give and say amen. So what do we have left? Because Paul just said amen. Are we done with Philippians? No. <laughs> Paul's like the ultimate. Uh, Bob Goff tells this story about land the plane. Uh, he was flying a plane and his landing gear got stuck. Not in the down position, but in the up position where you can't land yet. And he had to do multiple flybys past a small regional airport so that the guy in the tower could visibly look and see were his landing gear down or not. So was it safe to land? 
And he talks about after he's been told the landing gear is down, he made one more pass and he didn't land because he didn't really trust it yet. <laughs> right? And I feel like this is what Paul is doing. He's doing flybys past the tower. Finally, brethren, in verse 8. Amen in verse 20. But we're about to set down next week. So, Lord willing, we finish Philippians next week. There you go. That'll work. That's awesome. Cool. So you should have your uh, weekly updates with you. So gather together, pray, give thanks to the one who is the giver. And when you're done, you are free to go and to worship this one because right doxology results in right praise and worship. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.